0: Five and we will read a few verses from verse twenty two through twenty five Ephesians five twenty two. Lord, we thank you this morning uh, for bringing the word to us. We thank you for every chance that we have to, to stand before your word, to learn from your word. And uh, Lord, bring, bring your word not just to our heads, but to our hearts. Apply it to our lives so that our lives may reflect your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, today we will uh, will do uh, something, has uh, the, the lesson will be on the practical Christian living. And uh, we will talk about relationship between men and women. Uh, I will not talk about men and women this morning, but I will focus on men. But I think it's good for women to be here. There's many words for you to listen about men as well. And um, I think this topic is important for us the the word the word of God teaches it we are living in a world in a world here where the roles of men and women are really confusing but I think this word is needed not just for this context back in my context we don't have this confusion in terms of the roles between men and women however there is a lot of abuse of what is a man and what is a woman and it's all over the world. If you ask me, would this wor- word be suitable to all kinds of nations, or it will be only suitable to certain kinds of situations, I tell you, I can preach this, I can teach this anywhere in the world, even for people that I do not know. When it comes to men and women, it's the same. The problems are the same, the challenges are the same, and the solution is the same. The cure is the same. Uh, What is the role of a man? and What is the role of a woman? Um, In this special time that we live in, and it even starts to come to countries in the Middle East, there's a misrepresentation of masculinity, or of what is a man? What should a man do? And it swings between two extremes. The first extreme is uh, harshness, uh, abuse, violence, and you see this. Men would abuse their strength as they deal with their wives, as they deal with their families. So this is one direction, one extreme. But on the other extreme, there is what we call withdrawnness. Men are not doing the roles. They are not taking the initiative. They are abandoning the re- leadership roles. And we'll see when we'll talk about women, some women, they want to take the leadership and what would men do for them? Take it. So you will hear now, even in some counseling places, in, uh, in some universities, well, there is nothing called headship in the house. Both men and women are the heads of the house. It is changeable. The roles can be changeable. For some time, well, let's have this deal. You lead this month and I will lead this month. Or you lead the first half of the year and I will lead this, the second half of the year. And we see who is better in leadership. Maybe I have leadership skills that you don't have or the, or the opposite. So, whoever has the skills, let him lead or let her lead. This is what the world is trying to bring today. And when I read the scripture, When you read the word of God, it doesn't look like like these roles can be changeable, right? Read with me again this text in in, in chapter 5. Wives, submit yourself into your own husband as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church. So the, the model, the example upon which marriage is, is created, is made, is the relationship between Christ and the church. This is the main goal of marriage, to simplify, to show, to exemplify, sorry, to show the relationship between Christ and the church. There is no chance for the church to be the head of Christ. If the church can be the head of Christ, then woman can be the head of man. The wife can be the head of her husband. This is the picture. For men and for women. So for men, you cannot withdraw, you you cannot abandon your role. And for women, to be unhappy, for your husband to be the head. To be unhappy in your heart. Or to express this unsatisfaction in you uh, openly is just kind of rebellion against God's design. And we'll speak about the, the, the wives more next time. But I will begin with the men, the headship of the men. And as men, we need to realize this. We have this tendency to abuse our headship, our rule, either by being violent, as I said. Being harsh, abusing our authority, or by withdrawing, by going to our caves and hiding there, by hiding with our uh, hobbies or the things that we love we love to do, by abandoning our responsibilities and leave it for the woman. To, to do. This is the way we may abuse the, our, our roles. So, what is the right role? What does what the word head mean, imply? What does it mean to be the head of a woman? Does it mean, does it have some kind of authority? Yes. Does it have some kind of leadership? Definitely. But let's speak about it in details. And I will speak with you on three main points. For a man to be ahead, what does it mean mean for a man to be ahead? First of all, it's a servant leadership. And think of the two words servant leadership. The man is the leader, and there is no escape from this. You are the leader of the house, you are the head of the house, you are the most, you, you are the highest responsibility in the house. You are the one, if the Lord comes and knocks the door of the house. If there is anything wrong in the house, no matter what, no matter who is involved, if the Lord knocks the door of your house, the first person he will ask for is you, the man. What's going on here? What's happening? And this is what the Lord has done with Adam from the very beginning in the book of Genesis when he said where are you in the english it's not clear but in the in the hebrew in the arabic where are you you in the singular he's not saying where are you adam and eve where are you adam where are you what's going on the man is the leader the man he is the one who must have the initiative He is the one who who has to have the first move. Even when you propose to your wife, I suppose every man who is married here, he is the one who proposed. I don't expect that the woman proposed. It would be strange. We would laugh, right? I see laughs in in your faces. When I just mentioned that a woman would propose, right? Because deep in our hearts, what do we expect? Who would propose? Who would take the initiative? Who would go? the man. He's the leader. He would start the relationship. And this is what Christ has done to the church. See what Christ did to the church. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. It's not as if the church asked Christ, would you come and save me? He's the one who who took the first step. He initiated. He's the head. He's the leader. And this is what is expected from the man. Not to be the reaction. Christ was not the reaction. He was proactive. He was the active person. He went to his people. And it's it's a self-directed leadership. But at the same time it's a servant leadership. He was a servant. Think think of John 13 when Christ with his disciples gathering together and he stepped and put a towel around his waist and started to go on his knees and to wash the feet of his disciples. And the disciples at that time, they would be watching Christ. And none of them, none of them would doubt that even when Christ is doing this, he was the leader. None of them. Everyone knew, even when Christ was doing this, he is the leader. Yet he was serving. To be a leader doesn't mean that you'll be served. No, I will serve. This is what Christ has done to the church hes he 's taking the lead to save his bride to provide for his bride he 's the servant leader he did not just plan for salvation, he acted for it he was proactive, and this is what we expect from men we Yes, I expect from men and women to serve each other oh of, of course, but this does not contradict the fact that the leadership, the servant leadership, is the role of the man in the first place. And this takes me to the second things that the, the leader should do as a leader. Two things. He should protect and he should provide. And I'll speak first about protection. We'll see what Christ has done and what a man should do. Christ gave himself to the church. Why did Christ die for the church? Verse 25 again. Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. What it means that he gave himself for it, Christ died for the church. And think of it, why did he die for the church? Because if he did not do this, what would happen to the church? Die. It would die. So for the church not to die, he would say, I would die. To protect her from eternal death. To protect her from hell. Christ died for the church. To protect her from her enemies, from sin, from Satan, from the world. Christ died from the church. As we said this morning, he had victory. He conquered her enemies to protect her. And not only when he died, even now as the risen king, as the one who sits on the right hand of majesty. He is protecting the church from her enemies. He's still protecting the church. This is Christ. And when Paul says, give yourself to your wife as Christ gave himself to his bride, to the church. He's expecting from the man even to die for his wife. To love her, even to die for her. And I'm, I'm speaking literally. Even literally. Think of this. You're sleeping with your wife at night. And a thief comes. You hear someone's trying to open. Probably will have a gun. And you don't have a gun. Or you don't have an access to your gun very quickly. Who do you expect will stand up very quickly from the bed and run and stand before the thief? Would you talk about it? You go this time and next time I will go? You laughed again. Why did you laugh? Because every one of us know who who should stand up on this time, right? Who should take the first step and stand before the enemy and protect the house, protect the wife, protect the children? It's the man. Why? Because Christ did this. Christ did this. And he, did, he put this in our hearts as men. And not to do this is not to be a man. This is what it means to be a man. To, be, to protect. To stand. And I'm not just talking about a thief is coming. As men, we are responsible for the well-being of our families. Physically. The health of your wife is your responsibility. It's not that you care for your, your own health and she cares for her own health. No. Her health is your responsibility. You protect her. You don't overwork her. You don't give her more work that she gets sick. And if something ha- harms her, you should stop it. And if she needs to go to the doctor, you should care about this more than her. It's your role as a man to protect her health and the health of your children. The, the health of the house, the physical health of the house is your responsibility. It's not that every one of us will take care of his own life. This is all, all of course, physically. But let's, let's think of it spiritually speaking. The protection, the spiritual protection of the house is your responsibility. Primarily the man. Of course, the man and woman should be careful for the children, for what's happening in the house for the spiritual atmosphere of the house, but primarily it's the man's role. What is being opened on your TV? What is being opened on your computers? What kind of books that come to your house? This is your responsibility as a man. Who are the friends? What kind of church? What kind of teaching we are listening to? What kind of friends do we have? What kind of places that we'll visit? Is it going to be harmful to my family or not? This is your responsibility as a man. As a man, you should care what your daughters, what your wife is wearing. You know what other men look for. You know what they think of. So you should speak to what your daughter wear. Of course, the wife, the woman would know what would make the the girl more beautiful. But still you have a word to say. And I would say the final word. You protect your family sometimes from their own selves and from the others. This is what it means for a man to be a man. This is what Christ did for the church. You should never say that, well, it's her fault. I did my role and that's it. No. Uh, Take the initiative. And protect your family. Physically and spiritually. But the second thing is, the provision is another role for the man. And this is what Christ has done for the church. What did Christ do for the church? He fulfilled her needs. Christ is nurturing the church day after day. He's the one who brings the word. As we heard this morning, he's the one who is sending ministers. He's sending people. He's giving gifts to the church. He's providing for the church all the time. See what what Paul says in in the book of Ephesians? If we go later in the the chapter. He nourishes the body. Verse 28. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh. But see what what the man would do for his own flesh, for his own body? Nourishes the body and cherishes it, even as the Lord, the church. Christ nourishes the body. The growth of the body is his responsibility. He takes care of the body. He feeds the body. Christ is doing this to the church. He's doing this to his people. And this is what is expected from the man to do. Again, practically speaking, who is responsible that today, today, that there will be food on the table? It's, it's the man. Yes, the woman can work; she can provide. But finally, who is the one who is responsible that the house would have food, that we would have shelter? It's the man. This is your main responsibility: that you work and to provide for your family. This is what is expected. You are the one to to nourish the body. And not only physically, but also spiritually. Who is responsible that there is spiritual nourishment going on in the house? It is the man. You are the one who invites them, let's come and read. Let's come and pray. Let's go to the church. You are the one who leads your family. Let's learn God's word. Let's study God's word. Maybe you are busy. You spend a lot of time outside of the house. And your wife spends more time with the children. You take care of what is being taught. You ask her, what kind of curriculum are you using? Did you do this or not? She spends more time with them? Yes. But still, you are still responsible. Through her and yourself, you do it. You don't say, as long as she does it, well... I'm done. No. She may spend more time with them. She may give them a lot of nourishment. But you must nourish them yourself as well. And not only this, you must supervise what your wife is doing. And make sure that your wife herself is eating good food. She's listening to good sermons. She's reading good books. She has time to to grow spiritually. Her spiritual growth is your responsibility. If you just grow on your own, you listen to sermons, you attend uh, conferences, and you grow, but you don't care much about your wife, this is withdrawnness. This is selfishness. You help your family grow as someone who provides for for his family. And if we take these two ideas the provisions, uh, the provision and the protection. They are life-sustaining. Think of a family without protection and without provision, without food, without shelter. Life-threatening, it's life-threatening. You are the one who to pray for your family. All the family should pray, the wife should pray, but the father, the, the, the husband, is the one to pray for his family, to ask for his family. Think of all the patriarchs in the scripture. Think of Job, what, what, what did he do for his family? Think of Abraham, think of Noah. And as we said before, think of Eli. What did he do with his children? Did he did not protect his, his children, his family? And if, if we withdraw from our roles to provide physically and spiritually and to protect physically and spiritually, it's life-threatening to your family. Physically and spiritually, right? If you don't care much what your, your family is eating, is it healthy food or not, your family will get sick, will get weak. And if you do not care what they eat spiritually they will get sick. They will get weak. And some of them will eventually die. And part of the responsibility was you. I'm not saying that if you do your role, every one of them will be a believer. But you do your role. And leave the results for for the Lord. It's life-threatening. Provision and protection is life-threatening. If you think of this, if you think... Of Christ as the model, it is very, very convicting. For me, it's very convicting. I don't know what is it for you, but for me, it's very convicting. Many days, I don't do this. Many days, I come back, and I'm really tired. I'm really exhausted. I don't have the strength. And put in mind our own spiritual weakness, our own sin. And so if you can do it in your own strength, if you think I'm here just to motivate you to do it, and you will listen and you'll be able to do it yourself, you'll be wrong. You may do it for a day or two and then you will fail. We can only do this as long as we are dependent on Christ. To strengthen us as men and to enable us to stand. To stand against our own selfishness. Our own sin. Our own withdrawnness. And to give us the strength and, and wisdom to lead our families. We are desperate. Desperate. To, to need Christ. In needing of Christ. To come and help us. And enable us. As the king. As the vine. Who can enable us to do this every day. So you pray for yourself. Lord I need strength to guide my family. To lead them. Give give me wisdom, what to say to my children, what to say to my wife. And I will whisper this to the wives, to the women, or those who will be wives. Do not push your husband, your man, to be the leader. Do not tell him, be leader. It doesn't work as a man I'm telling you, it doesn't work. And I think men will agree. And we said, leadership comes from inside. It must come from inside. I'm not saying that you'll be passive, that you do not do anything. Pray for him. Encourage him. And wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Because if you try to to push him to be the leader and keep speaking about it in an outspoken way, it doesn't work. In fact, it can cause the, the opposite. But again, I'm not, uh, I'm not saying just be, just be passive. Finally, I will say this. John Piper has a beautiful illustration on what, is, what is a man should look like. Thinking of Christ. And he said a man is a lion. A lion for his family. What does the lion do? He's strong. He protects. But he's a lamb. He's also a lamb. He would die for his family. He's kind with his family. He's lying against the enemies. not, Not a lion against his family. But he's a lamb for his family. And Christ was the lamb. Lion or the Lion Lamb. He was the Lion from the tribe of Judah who conquered the enemies. And he was the Lamb who died for his wife, who died for his bride, for the church. May the Lord help us as men to be like Christ in leading our our families. I know you may have lots of questions. Uh, Maybe we can have one or two questions before we pray. Okay, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the design that you have made. A man and a woman. Such as Christ and the church. Lord, as men, we confess that we have this tendency to live for ourselves not to take our leadership role or to misuse our leadership role. But we pray that you would give us the humility. We give us the strength to protect our families, to provide for our families. As Christ protected his church, even died for his church, as Christ is nourishing his church, charging his church, as his own body. Lord, we pray that we would be enabled to do this to our families, to our wives, to our children. Lord, we confess that we lack wisdom, we lack the strength. We confess that without you we can do nothing. We pray that you would lift our eyes to the captain of our salvation, that he may work in our hearts by his spirit so that we may glorify him in our families and resemble him in our marriages. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.